This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer Emmanuel Cervantes, or better known as E-Man. E-Man is a Los Angeles-based drummer who discovered his calling when he first picked up a pair of sticks at the age of three and later booked his first major studio session at the age of 12. E-Man is currently touring with pop singer Andy Grammer. He's had the privilege to work with a wide range of artists such as Gwen Stefani, Lucas Nelson, Toto, Cody Simpson, Cameron Rafati, Elon, son of Levi, Tyrone Wells, and many more. He's made multiple appearances on TV shows that include SNL, The Today Show, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Alan DeGeneres, David Letterman, and America's Got Talent. If you're interested in showing your support for this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash working drummer. We have tons of bonus content from former guests. We've got a new video series that Zach and I are doing for 2024. And most recently, our friend Matt Eisman, who was just recently on the show, does an amazing job breaking down some things that he learned from hanging out with the amazing Shannon Forrest. And Matt just does such a great job uh, breaking down these exercises and showing you how they're done, how they're applied, and uh, the production is just amazing. So for just a dollar starting, you can access all this material. We have uh, listeners supporting us uh, for dollars $5, $10, $25. This all goes towards supporting the show and supporting what we do here at Working Drummer Podcast. Yeah. the curse turn the Lincoln Continental to a big black really enjoyed this conversation with E-Man I've been following him for some time if you go to his Instagram page you can see a ton of content that he's putting out on a regular basis and I feel like it's very useful you can see his process you can also jump over to his YouTube page where he talks about how his loops are made his experience touring, some of the real stuff that happens on touring, some of the boring stuff, some of the traveling stuff. We didn't get into that so much, but I encourage you to check that out on your own. And uh, he was just a delight to speak with, and his energy and enthusiasm for creating music is is very much intact. And uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with E-Man. I feel like w- what we do, we're, we're constantly like, as the drummer, we're constantly looking and like, in a sense, waiting for things to go wrong <laughs> and then and then somehow fixing it, right? Even though we don't have any control over what really can happen. But, you know, like, oh, somebody jumped the 2-4 bar. How do I flip it back, you know? And I think more recently, like, I am not a teacher by any means. But I've had a few – there's a college near me. There's two colleges near me where I live. 
and they have these two, a couple of the kids have reached out and been like, Hey, like so-and-so said this about my playing. So like, um, something to the effect of, it just sounds jumbled. It sounds kind of mixed up. There's no clarity. There's no, um, you know, there's nothing special. Like one of the kids said, one of his teachers said, like, when you play, it just doesn't feel like anything. And so it almost felt like, like, uh, in a weird way, like drum therapy. I brought him in and I was like, how are you doing? Like nobody had just sat him down in the context of music and just said, how are you doing? And I, I was, you know, he's like, well, you know, like I'm stressed with school and all this, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, so it sounds like you got everything going on. I go, when's the last time you just played drums with no intention? And, and I mean that in the sense of like, of just hitting the instrument to see how it felt like at a basic level. And he was like, I don't think I've ever done that. So I was like, I sat down I was like, hit the drum as hard as you fucking can. And so he like smacks the shit out of it. And I go, what did you feel? He's like, nothing. I go, why? Why didn't you feel anything? Like, were you just reacting? Like, you know, we have to start thinking about why would the why behind what we do. So I was like, do it again and see if you can connect some sort of emotion or feeling to it. He did it again. He's like, I guess I'm just frustrated that everybody says I sound or I like I did a good job and nobody goes like I sounded good. And I was like, okay, now we have something to talk about. And I go hit the symbol four times in a row. And every time it was different, (laughs) you know, and it was like, okay, that's something we can work on. This will help with clarity. Like you, you are, are inconsistent in the technical side of how you're hitting the stuff, even though you can read the black page and you can outread me and you can, you know, like do everything you can. But for some reason, it's just coming out like there's no rhyme or reason to why, you know, no one's connecting to it because you're not connecting to it. So I just, I just feel like maybe my shit is resonating with people because I'm also just trying to figure it out. Like I'm not these great session players and I'm not these great live guys. I'm literally a little Mexican boy from LA that somehow got to be where I am, you know? And I think a lot of that comes to like literally just sitting down, taking a snare drum and seeing what happens when I go a quarter turn all the way up and all the way down and putting that in the Rolodex of sounds that I have in my head, you know? This came up in the last couple interviews that I've done. It's something that Zach has talked about. It's not what you play. It's how you make people feel at the end of the day mm-hmm. that is important than anything else. And um, we, all have, we all have drummers that uh, uh, somehow found us and resonated with us in a way that no other drummer, no other musician does. They may not be Vinnie Caliuta. They may not be the most technically proficient player, but there's something about that in your personal story that resonates with you. We all have those that player, that band, those group of drummers, and you have to kind of dial in. What is it about that person that really makes me feel a certain way uh, that is not a drummy drum kind of situation, uh, but it's it's a it's a feeling kind of thing, and, uh, yeah. and that's what producers and musicians and band leaders are going to take away from your approach to the instrument more so than how fast you can play a paradiddle or absolutely absolutely and you know i I think all the other stuff plays into it too like are you a good hang are you 
Are you um, are you on time? Are you early? You know, like I always got yelled at for for uh, not yelled at. I was early learned. You know, if you show up at one o'clock and call time was one o'clock, you were late. So stuff like that kind of sticks in your life and throughout life. And then you know, it's like, oh, I have an extra ten minutes. I can work on making sure I'm comfortable behind this backline kit or whatever it is, you know, and um, all those, it's like all these tiny little steps really do add up to a hundred, you know, and, yeah. and people just don't do that for whatever reason. I always go like, did you think about that? And, and everybody goes, no. And I go, okay, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying like, maybe you should take the snare drum and tune it eight different ways for today and that's all that's a form of practice that's what you can do that's how you can spend your afternoon you know and people just don't it's people don't do that it's really to me there's like a part of me that gets baffled and another part that goes like well it explains a lot (laughs) you know i i grew up in a very uh like small community of of like hispanic church scene stuff and there was like a couple really big artists and so we would wait every year or every year and a half for that really that basically one or two dudes to release an album. And it was usually live, which meant there was a live video of sorts or a CD or a tape because I'm old enough for tape. And uh, um, I just remember like being really excited when when that would drop because I would learn something by hearing it, you know, and having to figure out the forms of a song because we would probably do them in a service or wow like he just he you know he's playing like the snare drum sounds a lot higher than it did before and i'm i don't know why i'm just like okay that's a cool thing i'm gonna try mine or like you know it was like peak 90s drum sounds right um so like you know there's a lot of like a, a lot of that type of stuff that that I had to use my imagination for. But even now as an adult, like I'm going like, why the F is my kick drum sounding out of phase? And instead of like most nine times out of 10, I'll just go on YouTube university and figure out one of a hundred videos of why it could be. And I I think because I did grow up that other way, I'm able to first hear the problem and now, and then go look for the information where I, I feel like now it's like, I'll just, keep tweaking stuff or, or, or I saw this in a YouTube video and I'm going to try it. Or I saw this in some video and I'm going to try it before. Like, just, did you just try like hearing things? (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? It's this concept of like, you just try it without doing anything. What does that sound like? You know? Um, and especially with like licks and stuff, um, you know, if you hear something, trying to figure it out without seeing any notation or seeing the video or, you know, like there was so much of that stuff that I had to do growing up. Like is, is buddy rich playing singles singles as triplets or is he, is he going uh, two lefts and a right or two rights and a left? Like what's going on here? I have no idea. I just have to hear this and assume and, and, and try things and just see if, or just legitimately just trying like I feel like sometimes that that is a step everybody just forgets. Just try shit. <laughs> and we've had guests on here that that have uh, you know gone to the record and listened to that same part over and over to try and figure it out, only to walk away with their own version of it. And so exactly, we have a generation. We have many generations of drummers that when you hear them, you're like, I know who that is. 
that's Chad Smith. Yeah. That's so-and-so. Yeah. Like I hear that sound exactly. And uh, so that is the argument for not being afraid to kind of like f- find your own voice, express yourself so you don't sound like everybody else. Um, so Yeah, and it's, it's, okay, it's okay to suck. Like I, I feel like people just aren't okay with sucking. Like I, I, to me, especially over the last, I want to say, four or five years of my life, like I have been able to grow in ways that I never thought I could because of how shitty my situation got. Mm. And now I can look back at it and be like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't, this wouldn't have happened, which would have, wouldn't have led to this. You know, it's all these little steps. And like you're saying, like you heard Chad Smith and then now I'm, I, that snare drum sound is stuck in my head and I want to chase it. And I don't know how to chase it, but I'm going to keep trying things, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, and then you're going to end up with your own shit. Like you said, that's right. That's right. Uh, you have your own shit, man. And it sounds great. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You're playing and, um, your cleanliness and, uh, and the power that you put in, uh, into it. It sounds, it sounds thank you. Really enjoyed listening to you play. Thank you very much. Um, thank you. Tell me about your, you're in Los Angeles. Yeah. Born and raised. I'm one of the weird ones, you know, uh, I'm a, I've, I said this before, uh, I am a byproduct of immigration. My parents literally came here in a U-Haul and, uh, I was born a few years later when they got their shit together. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for them sitting through whatever amounts of hours in a U-Haul and then sitting in lines not speaking English and going through the process of becoming a legal U.S. resident and now citizens, like, I wouldn't be here. So they really worked their ass off to to provide a better life for me and my siblings, which they did, you know. And, uh, like, my brother is one of the best playback guys in L.A., you know, and he does everything from the Emmys to the Grammys. So, like, he's, he's just great at what he does. And my sister is an awesome mom, and she has her own life going on. And that's only possible because my parents took this massive risk. So, um, yep. Yep. I'm I'm as an adult very aware of how intense that is. <laughs> it's beautiful. My my wife has worked in immigration off and on over the last couple of decades and um through nonprofit work and we're very aware oh, awesome. of, of the uh, amazing and powerful impact it has on human lives. <clears throat> uh, I love that. Totally. Um yeah. uh, is there is there anything you like about being in LA? Is there anything that you wish was better about Los Angeles? I know you guys have had some pretty shitty weather in the last Yeah, I'm I'm so lucky. I uh I that I am in my house. My studio is at my house and uh when I bought the place like the backyard was shaped like a bull. And so over the last I want to say 6 years I've like you know in between tours or in between fly dates, I'd just digging trenches just to get water as far away from the house as possible. So if, if my house wasn't shaped like a bowl, I'd be a lot happier. Um, but you know, we had, I think my house got eight or nine inches of rain over three days, two and a half days. And, and there was knock on wood. Thank God. Not one bad thing happened. You know, I'm sure there's other folks that had it a lot worse, but yeah, I got really lucky and all that, you know, hours spent digging holes <laughs> really did help me out. Um, let's see, things I like and would change, I guess. Obviously traffic. Traffic's the worst here. But being from here, you're just kinda like, 
okay, add another 30 minutes to whatever you think it's going to be. You're used to it. And then, oh my God, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so, yeah, like I'm an hour from LAX on a good day. I'm two hours on a bad day. Like it's just that simple. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, and I live 30 miles, 35 miles away. There are people that are 10 miles away, five miles away, and they're going to be in there for an hour just because traffic is even more concentrated. So I'm coming at it from a whole other point of view or another direction, and it's still bad. So it's all good. It's all bad. <laughs> you know, like if you just know what to do, you're going to be fine. Um, I, you know, I'm so fortunate because like I've, I see so many people come here and succeed. I see so many people come here and, and get their ass handed to by the city. Uh, I was in therapy earlier and she, my therapist was telling me about when she first got here, how like she had to adjust to the flakiness that, that LA kind of has, like people just kind of flake all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, I guess I don't experience that because I just kind of grew up with it, you know, and I learned I didn't like that. So I wasn't going to do that to people. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, there's little things like that that are culturally like interesting here. But I mean, it's one of those weird places where we can drive an hour north and be in the mountains with snow and then drive an hour south and we're at the ocean. So like, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Are you happy? And I don't know if I can move. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, we, we have, a, and Nashville's just been booming the last five, six years. And we have a lot of people. Yeah. California that have been moving here or, or Nevada or New York or, um, you know, all over the place. And so I'm just curious, uh, to know if, if the scene, I think it sounds like the scene has treated you well. Um, have you ever considered like, uh, it might be, uh, I might consider my options or LA's worked really well for me uh, or maybe there's a middle ground. You know, I've been fortunate to like get a hint of Nashville or a hint of New York or Portland, uh, throughout my life. Um, it, you know, in my career, I guess, um, I almost moved myself and my ex-wife almost moved to Nashville in 2017. Um, and there was, you know, looking at houses and the whole, the whole thing was, you know, trying to figure it out. And then that didn't pan out for whatever reason. And now I'm kind of like, wow, I like, I'm so fortunate. I was able to buy a house. Like, even though I'm outside of LA, it's still 20 minutes away. And I have a, you know, my studios here, like, um, I'm sure I could have had that in Nashville, but it, um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like life kind of played me in, in a cool way where it was like, no, 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 you need to stay here. You're from here, like sit here. And, um, yeah, it's, it, I don't know if I could ever, if I could have ever have moved away. I mean, I did live in Europe for almost a year, like working for a record label and a few artists. So like that was fun and I was really young. So it was like party on, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. It was it was pretty great, if I'm being honest. Uh, but LA is still every time I'm here, whether I'm coming back from a tour or or not, it's just it does something else. I, I think those things things in life that don't seem right or seem like a bad situation, but they are pointing us in the right direction, the place where we need to be. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a really like adult way of putting it. Well, as your senior. Uh, let me just tell you. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I uh, love that. No. Um, let me let, let's. I want to jump into uh, recording. You're you're doing a lot of recording from home. I want to talk about your loops. I want to talk about playing for clients. But here's one thing I've been going through, and I wonder if you've experienced this as well. I think you've probably been recording at home uh, longer than I have. But uh, I I feel like there's been a change in my ear when I'm performing live. Uh, mixes are better, more, there's more in-ears, there's better mixes with performing live than there, than there was decades ago. And so we just hear more things than we did before. And I feel like when I'm recording and then I'm sitting at, especially at home and then I'm sitting with the session and I'm going through the different takes and I'm listening to exactly what I'm playing and how it syncs with the the music the click the grid whatever all those things you hear all the nuanced mistakes the things that you wish were better and so it's a good way to practice it's a good way to fine tune your ear but also um i feel like it 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 puts you in it's put me more in tune with my playing in a way that i don't think would have happened if i didn't record at home have you experienced that, or does that make sense? What I'm saying? No, totally. Um, I I also I one thing that came to mind was like something that I never you know I I started this whole thing by really just touring and playing live shows or yeah. you know at little venues or bigger venues in ears no in ears and in the thing you said about in ears really sticks out because now that we everybody is on like a wave server and plugins galore on tours or even if you don't you know you once you have like it can get you in a lot of trouble but if you're like ah you know like this this bass drum sounds really thin on stage and it could be that whatever microphone is that you're hearing is out of phase with the subs that are being pushed out in front of the house and so all you now having that information, you can just go like, hey, can you just flip the phase button for me? You know, because no one's going to go there and find the perfect mic placement, right? So it's like, you know, when you're on stage, you're going to go, what's the fastest thing we can do? Oh, yeah, let's uh, let's flip the face or like turn the shit up of, of something. And then usually that's not the case. So it's probably just some weird face correlation happening. So for me, I find that having spent time in here and being like, why does this sound so thin? I can just be like, hey, can you just like flip the phase on one of the snare mics or one of the overheads or one of the floor toms or one of the kick or a kick drum or something? And then that that does two things. One, you find that where the problem is, and usually it's probably that, and you fix it. And two, it gives your monitor engineer or whoever's running monitors uh, a little bit of trust and yeah. a little bit of confidence in you because then they're like, oh, okay, well – I wonder if they'll like I've had a guy come up to me before and he was like, yeah, like I I, uh, I put this like mastering chain on on your stuff. And he's like, and you didn't like it. I go, why? I was like, it just was too compressed. Like you're like, I'm trying to play soft and it's blaring, you know. So uh, just having having the little bit of knowledge can really get you in trouble. Right. Because then you'd be like, yeah, give me like a 10 to 1 ratio on. It's like nobody wants that. Just like <laughs> let the person do their job. But often they can't feel what we're feeling when we hit a kick drum on stage and we f either one feel the delay of the subs because often the front of house is delayed, right, from what what's going on. Um, 
or the subs are firing in a way that they fire back or forward to the side or they're hung. So like it's all going to make the shit feel different. And you, it's up to us now with a little bit of knowledge to be like, yeah, can you just can we flip the face? See if that helps. Nine times out of ten for me, I find that that helps. And if I leave it there, that's cool. If I start getting into like, can I get like 2.5K up, like 2DB, like that's too much. But um, you're right. I I hope that kind of answers the question. Well, Uh, it it does in a way that I wasn't expecting, but uh, that's really really great. And uh, as far as like not only are you finding ways to make it feel better and sound better to you, I bet you're making it sound and feel better to your bandmates. And you probably also, because, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, well, you're also uh, your approach to communicating with your engineer has to be, you know, respectful and uh, delicate because he obviously knows that you know what you're talking about. But how do you do that by uh, how do you request these things, but still give him like ownership of yeah. his responsibilities as the yeah, and I, I guess more to touch, it's like uh, it, it helps to know enough to make to allow your job to be easier, right? So if I'm fighting mm-hmm. a kick drum or a snare drum or a floor tom, like firstly, I'm always going to be like, is it me? Did I tune this shit right? Is it like, is the drum... If you're using a backline kit, is the drum like not resonating? Like often, I I'm like I pick up a floor tom and I hit it and it resonates for two minutes and then you put it down and it stops. It just it's a thud. Mm-hmm. And that on a pop gig for me, I don't want that. But on some gigs, that's great. So then it's like, okay, how do we work through this? How do we get this to sound good? Um, but I, it's always like internal, right? Like what's going on with my shit? Is it me? Let me tune. Make sure it sounds good. Take your ears out. Okay, great. Let's try this. You know. Um, and that gen- generally helps, but, um, I know, can you ask me one more time and maybe I can answer in the way you wanted me to answer it? <laughs> yeah, no, cause, sure. cause there's probably like 10 different answers for that question. Right. So like, it'd be interesting to, as a thought experiment to answer it in a different way and see if I can nail what you were thinking. Okay. So, so another way to phrase it is, you know, back when we first had the ability to record ourselves a lot more than we did before everyone was saying record yourself record your live shows record all this stuff because that way you can listen from a third person perspective and maybe hear things that you didn't notice when you were playing the drums but you can listen more carefully and now that we're recording a lot from home we are that third person we're playing engineer yeah when we're recording and so you hear man i'm overplaying that hi-hat or my kick drum is too on top for this tempo in this kind of groove. You're more aware of those things than if you would not have recorded yourself. And so yeah. I take those lessons to the live stage. Yeah. And I wonder if you've felt that as well or uh, or if everything you've done is just perfect and beautiful. Well, duh. Uh, it's always perfect and beautiful. Um, no, but I, I would say, uh, yeah, totally. Like, but I think that's the type of thing that I'm not even being intentional at this point with that. I'm just like, okay, I'm playing this groove. Uh, you know, it's a, whatever, a pop groove, a boom, smack, boom, boom, smack. Right. And it's all about relation 
to what we're trying to do for me. So like in this room, is this hi-hat too much? Right. And you can only ask yourself those questions because we've been in studios or in our own studios and you're like, uh, this hi-hat is way too much. Like it feels like too much. Or I went into the, you know, the, my favorite thing when you're in a studio with other musicians is like, Hey, let's go, let's have, let's, let's come listen inside and see how that sounds. That's usually code for it's not right. So like, <laughs> you know, or it's code for that was the take, just do another one because we, we have you here for another hour. So like you, you know, you're listening and you're like, yeah, man, I could, I could probably back off that hat 10%. And then again, to me, this is kind of like that, like Rolodex of sounds, same thing as tuning a snare drum. You remember, okay, this velocity is this feeling. And then you go somewhere else and then you're playing, you're like, that's the wrong velocity. That's the wrong this, or, or maybe it's right for this other song, but on this song, like even off the record, it's like this like very intense eighth note thing. Like maybe I'll just like only play the quarter note intense and then all the other eighth notes are half volume, you know, or half velocity or whatever you want to call it. And I find that that only really does happen when you do just sit down and listen. Right. And, uh, but you don't, the point, the goal is to not have to do that. You just start making adjustments, you know, Subconsciously, subconsciously right experience, and yeah, that's that gives like, your that gives your next level. Not next level. I just think it's like like uh, I forget one of my like mentors once said like when you're walking, you don't think about when you need to go up a stair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just go up the stair, and your body is doing everything it needs to do to make sure that you're not going to topple over. Sometimes you do right. But the, the whole point is you just have all these reps of listening, experiencing, doing that when you get somewhere, it's just kind of like, OK, this is a little different this time or it's a lot different this time. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I don't know how many times I've tripped up the steps because I have not been paying attention. Yeah, or my mind is completely in another space. Not that I have to think about what I'm doing when I'm walking up steps. Exactly. But that analogy is because like when you're in the moment and you're playing and you're performing, uh, you don't need to be thinking about stuff, but at the same time, uh, you need to be in the moment for sure. Have you learned much uh, with your brother and his experience recording? Have there Has there been a lot you've taken away from his lessons? Oh, my God. Like one of my the first time I was in a studio, he was getting his, uh, you know, engineering degree from a local college. And they had just built this incredible studio, which, by the way, I ran all the uh, patch cables like in this very like small tunnel underneath uh, because I was like 12 or something. My brother's almost 10 years older than I am. And, uh, you know, they were building this incredible studio. It's still there. They used to have this incredible Neve console, like one of the last ones that was actually built. Like it was incredible. Right. Um, And as a student, they would get the rooms to like how to today we're going to work on miking a kick drum or miking a bass or miking an upright bass whatever it may be and so at some point he 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 uh earned the trust of uh the guy running the program and he just gave him a set of keys and was like yeah if you ever need to use anything you know just don't burn it down so my brother would start working on little projects and he needed drums and so he called a little brother and i was just stoked because they had like a badass spawn kit you know with like 
great cymbals and great snares. And I had no idea about the mics or anything. And I just remember being in there when I was 12, 13, 14, maybe weekly and just playing different things. And I'm, you know, like hearing what a kick drum sounds like through like real speakers and, and, and not really asking any questions because I didn't care. I was a kid. I just wanted to go home and play Xbox, but like being able to just sit there and be, and, and, you know, you watch him like he's dropping overheads down a little bit. This one's a little lower than the other one. I wonder why, or why are there mics out in the middle of the room? Nobody's over there. You know, like these questions. And now as, as I started getting into this junk, it's like, (laughs) you're like, Oh, right. Like you're capturing all these different things that will help the drums just kind of hit you in the face when they need to hit you in the face. Um, and you know, I just, I learned a lot. And even still, like you mentioned my loop pack earlier, I was just talking to a friend earlier, uh, about that. He says like, are you going to do another one? And I go, man, maybe, I don't know. It, it's a lot of work. The editing is the worst part about those things. Um, but I remember I like mixed here in my studio. I mixed all that stuff. I mastered it or got it to level. And then I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to go hear this like in a real situation. So I go to my brother's place. I send, I send him the session ahead of time. We open it up. He's got like real studio monitors, like big, big bad boy ATCs, you know, uh, he's, he's running it through like uh, a Neve summing mixer. Like it's, it's it's the best situation without me spending a shit ton of money to go, you know, somewhere to hear it back. And we hit play, and I was like, ah, okay, yeah, there's, like, the mid-range is kind of muddy. I can go clean that up. So, like, yeah, I said, I'm learning shit all the time from him. Even still, like, I'll, he, you know, the joke I say is, like, I know I did a good job in this studio when my brother prefers to record drums here than his own spot. But even mm-hmm. when we're in here... It's like he'll he'll just walk up to a microphone and shift it over, you know, six inches. And and then we listen back and you go like, oh, wow, like that just sounds a little better. I don't know. I can't. Maybe it's in our heads. You know, it's my brother. I trust him. I love him. But it's like, no, yeah, it probably does sound better, you know, and just and now as an adult, I just love anytime I'm in any studio and any engineer. I'm just like, okay, all right. Making that Rolodex concept. Okay, yeah, they uh yeah, they moved that mic like a foot back. I wonder why. And you listen, you're like, oh, there's probably some low end niceness that got better when they moved it back. I think there's opportunities for us to find that that big brother mentor in our oh, lives. Maybe uh, the engineer you worked with and somebody that's willing to uh you know, come over to your home studio and help you dial things in. Hey man, c- can I buy you lunch? Can I, you know, yes. Can, can, and do you have the curiosity? I really trust what you do. And can I do a track for free or something to kind of help dial in my sound? Like what an investment for you to not only learn more, but then to get your sounds tweaked more. That's a hundred percent. Have you had anybody like that for you? Uh, I have. Um, luckily, my friend Mike has helped me. I've had different people. You know, he, he lives in the neighborhood, so it's really great. Um, I worked. Uh, I did an interview with a with a great drummer with an w- amazing home studio, and he had his engineer record the interview for us. And then he was like, "Hey, if you want me to come over," and I have not cashed that check yet. You better but cash I'm thinking, that. <laughs> better cash check. Yeah, for sure. Oh my god! That's, no, that's awesome. That's, that's, 
Yeah, yeah. And and I think the way you learn and the what you've picked up from your brother, you're also carrying it over to the way you present yourself on your YouTube channel when you're explaining that. I mean, the, just the different mic placement and the different things, especially the, I, I watched that, uh, the, 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 the mic thing with the, the three different microphones you did with, I think, room mics, uh, oh, yeah, this yeah. morning. Oh, okay. And I was, I was, I was multitasking. I was watching just to kind of like, just get a better feel for what you were doing. And, and I'm like, I've got, I, when I have more time and attention, I need to sit back and it's like 20 <laughs> minutes now. It's going to watch one. it again. Yeah. No, but but um, well, there's a great drummer here in, in Nashville that runs his own studio, Grady Saxman, we had on a couple years ago. And he talked about that 57, that idea of putting a 57 and pointing it, pointing it away from your drums yeah. to get a bigger room. And my my room is smaller than your room, but I want to get that bigger room. So there's tricks. Oh, ways yeah. To, there's so, so many tricks. I mean, like, you know, and the funny thing is a lot of these tricks get used in bigger rooms, too, to make those big rooms sound even bigger. You know, it's like uh, I've seen yeah. the 57 thing, like 57s pointed at the ground, you know, as far yep. away or or, you know, and that's that really takes no money. If you think about it, you could find a 57 on offer up probably for 25 or 50 bucks. I mean, that doesn't know what they have, you know. And if you have the extra input, now you got a mono room mic sound. And uh, there's so many tricks, you know. Like my room is pretty dry, especially once uh, since uh, Mitch at Automute came in and you know gave me a, a, a incredible situation. It was really good before, and now it's just like clean and awesome. But uh, yeah, so like my room is pretty dry, and there's not a lot, like I'm talking to you right now, and there's not like a lot of reverberation, or I don't know, there's not a ton of shits in a room sound, um, but there's like, if I were to, if you were to look to the right, there's like a wall that kind of comes in three inches from one, one end to the other, so it's like, and it's all wood, so it's super bright if you put a mic right by it. I have this little like walkway that's entirely wood paneled, so if I put my room mics in there, it just sounds like a it is a different room, you know? So like, there's no direct transient. There's no, um, there's no direct signal really coming at it from the drums. And so it, you know, it adds maybe like a few milliseconds of actual room delay, but then the room being just so kind of chaotic in there, just because it's wood, it just changes the whole vibe. Um, and then I have like a transient designer and that was another engineer just going like, Hey, you know, like you're in a small room you should get one of these. It'll make your room sound bigger, you know? And I was like, uh, sure. And I just happened to find one pretty affordably back then. So, you know, there's all these little tricks we can do to make our smaller rooms compete with these bigger rooms, you know, which are now kind of going away too, but you know. But they're still there, and we still have to compete with them. Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent point. I want to ask you about yeah, your kid, Andy Grammer. Um, oh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us about him. Uh, what the style is? Uh, how that came about? Oh my gosh! Well, you know, uh, it's February. I did my first gig with him. Uh, nearly 10 years ago subbing for his old drummer a great drummer named mike baker who played with gavin degraw for years uh he left andy's gig to go do gavin degraw um but for me that gig came about 
subbing for him. And the MD at the time, we have a different MD now, is one of my closest friends, a guy named Zach Rudolph. We met each other uh, at a Saturday night church service in West Covina, California. <laughs> he was 18 and I was 13. And yeah. I vividly remember him going, great, like, ugh, 13-year-old. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, to an extent he was right. But, you know, we, we grooved. You know, he's it's like we're both – Every time we play, even still, like we'll go play like a little bar gig or something. It's like old, it's like old comfortable jeans or something. Um, yeah. So speaking of cashing checks in, uh, I I had been subbing for Mike on something else, and then he said, "Oh, I need you to sub on the Andy thing," and I said, "Sure, no problem." So I just did it. I did it like I would uh, just play any other gig, right? Learn the material, no rehearsals at the time. I want to say it was like. The set list was about 40 or 50 songs to choose from. Uh, and even to this day, Andy likes to kind of cherry pick songs. We've kind of reeled him in and like, hey, here's the first chunk. Here's the last chunk. You can kind of do whatever you want in the middle. Um, and a lot of that comes from his background as a street performer. You know, he's literally trying to get your attention while you're walking by ignoring him. So he's going to play something you might recognize and sing to you. Uh, so there's still a little, a little bit of that, like traumatic experience for him in his, you know, even him with hits and, you know, people that are paying to come see him. And we're like, just play a show, man. But you know, there's, <laughs> he's gotten a lot better. I have to, he's like, like letting go of that. Um, but yeah, so I started subbing about 10 years ago and then, uh, I got a call around December 2014 and Andy was like, Hey, Mike's moving on. Are you available? Yeah. And it just kind of coincided with Andy's biggest hit to date, which is a song called honey. I'm good. So like the first time that song was performed live was with like right the week after I came in or something. And like live meaning like on national television or something like that. And then, you know, it just kind of took off from there. So like, 2015, 16, 17, even 18 was probably, I want to say, home maybe 150 days a year. We were just fly dates or touring, fly dates or touring. Um, And, uh, yeah, I've been there since. And weirdly enough, last year I told them I was moving on. And so uh, it's a transition phase and uh, there's a bunch of – stuff going on in both of our lives where we both kind of looked at each other and were like, Hey, let's not entirely do this right now. <laughs> so, you know, we're, I'm in a transition phase and he's not doing much, I think until the summer and we'll reevaluate in the summer what's going on. But, uh, like we, we just did a corporate gig about a month ago and it was great. You know, we're all friends and you know, he's been there through the ups and the downs. And so have I. And, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a wild ten years, and I'm unbelievably grateful. Sure, sure, I, and and, yeah. and the fact that they trust you so much, and and you've been able to create a uh, a bond beyond just the music, I think is yeah really important, so that you can make some tough decisions about what you want, yeah, where the next step, and and you feel like you have a supportive boss, friend. absolutely. 
Yeah, and as as far as the style, like, you know, he kind of came up in the post-John Mayer, Jason Mraz era. And so, like, his first record is very, like, singer-songwriter. And speaking of Victor and Drizzo, I mentioned him earlier, like, Victor played on a couple of those early songs. Yeah. And then, uh, so having to learn some of those parts was great. Um, but then, you know, the most recent single, if I remember, uh, uh, is, like, just trap. It's like pop trap. And so having to, I feel like I love all the styles of music that I'm playing and it allows me to like play a lot of the, you know, linear chops or gospel chops, whatever you want to call them that I have learned, but then also being able to just rock out like, like bottom in some senses, you know, just as intense as I can. And for me, that's like, I... I don't know if I if there is a gig that lets you stretch as much as this lets me stretch, but then also be like crazy precise pop guy, which is really fun because then it's all about like I'm not hitting a single drum. I'm just hitting pads, <laughs> you know, and it's like or or I'm like uh, speaking of like we were kind of talking earlier about like how we're adjusting phase and stuff in our ears. Like yeah. when I when I cut my samples for this for the pop gig. I like to cut the samples because I know that I can go into Pro Tools and shave off that first transient of the snare drum that goes and just get that sound. That way I can hit my real drum, put that sample on top, and that's the sound. Brilliant. You know? So, like, a, a, a lot of times then then somebody isn't having to go in there and, and chop it. So it's exactly like that. You're st- There's so many things you can do if you have, like, 5% knowledge with yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm also not doing something like on the Billie Eilish gig where, you know, everything is pads. And then, you know, like, what he's doing on that gig is unbelievable, right? There's a whole Ableton thing. I'm not doing that. But just being able to stretch in that way, too, is nice, you know? And, yeah, like this song I'm just thinking about right now, um, it's called New Money. And it's it's got, like, a whole drumline thing. And so I have to play the fills in the song on the kit uh, stacked on time. So you have to be crazy accurate. And, and then... And then you have to, the next song is like a big epic Tom thing that has nothing to do with accuracy. So it's, it's just been a lot of fun to stretch in those, in those senses in those, two, sorry, in the, in the two ways of like, I, I want to be the, like the best pop guy I can be, but then also be the best rock guy I can be, be the best, like, uh, you know, trap, whatever that is. My camera just died again. So sorry. <laughs> um, all right, man. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a lot of fun, man. It's been a lot of fun. Well, not only that, but I feel like the last 10 years has given you an opportunity to work professionally in an environment that allows you to learn all these things or maybe sharpen your skills in an area that may not have been your wheelhouse. But you have somebody that trusts you. You have a band that trusts you. And uh, that's got to build your confidence in a way that um, it, whatever happens this year or whatever happens in the next step, you're like, bring it on, man. Whatever the gig is, here we go. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I, I'm I, just thankful that I was able to, again, like you're saying, like just really just go for it and have trust. And like, you know, there's still were growing pains with, through all that, like 
you know, not playing the right patterns or, you know, or, or the patterns sound or feel different because they're a bunch of samples and then you're playing them on a live kit and you have to be like, that's what led me to, oh, okay, he wants all this like washy stuff on the snare drum, but it's, it doesn't sound good when it's just the snare drum with the verb or it doesn't sound good when it's just the pad because then he's not feeling it on stage. So it's, you start making all these micro adjustments to like um, now if we get a new song, it's pretty much like I trust you, go for it, do it. And and then that's it, which is to me like I did my job and it feels really cool. Is there anything early on that you did that helped you gain the trust of Andy or the band leader or anybody else? Yeah, uh, playing everything exactly the way they 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 heard it in their head, which is weird, right? But the, the, the way they hear things in their head is the way they've been listening to it on Spotify or, or Apple Music or whatever. So I remember hounding hounding uh you know management or whoever it was when we got a new song and saying like hey i need all those stems so i can cut the stems and i can edit these samples so that i knew okay this is a 100 you know stereotypical pop song there's no real drums on anything great mm-hmm. i'm just gonna play pads and then you do that and then they go can you try something else trust earned like that because yeah. now they know that you learned it the way it was meant to be it's not working and then you try. And even within that, there's room for, there's margins, right, of error and success. So you just kind of have to, you, and then you start, yeah, you have to kind of maneuver yourself in a way where you um, you then start to see the things that are working and the things that aren't working. There's times that uh, you're taking something from the record performance to a live performance and the ways you have to and, and and a lot of it starts with the drums in, in yeah. adding that shimmer, that thing that makes it pop when you're on stage. Uh, and totally. So I, I imagine that's pre-production rehearsals and, and uh, the back and forth and having the humility to uh, adjust, take criticism, take suggestions uh, from, from all these people. Yeah. And then also just being able to fight for when you think it's right. Like, you know, there, there was there was a lot of times specifically with uh, uh, there was a manager involved at one point where uh, like he, he made a comment about the kick drum. And I said, well, why don't you come up and hit it? And then it was kind of one of those things where like, let me do my job. And the reason it doesn't sound good to you is because you're sitting in a rehearsal room with no in-ears, no front of house. You're just hearing a, a a beautiful 22-inch Tama Star Classic bass drum, but it's not going to compete at all. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, like you're not experiencing what we're experiencing. So, you know, we set him up with the in-ears, and then he came by later, and he was like, yeah, you're right. There's, like, all the stuff I wasn't hearing. It's like, yeah, no shit, man. Yeah, <laughs> but, know. like, really but knowing when, knowing when and how to do that, I think, is really important. Okay. Or if, like, like, um, uh, one of the things I love to say is like if something is feeling a little sterile, it's like are we are we trying to make this sound like like Spotify or are we wanting it to feel like a live band? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we're wanting it to feel like a live band, there's going to be crash cymbals, there's going to be a snare drum, there's going to be you know tom fills and drum fills and all this stuff. But if 
if there if we wanted to just be a literal copycat of that, then by all means, here's a, here's that, and it's going to be great. And then if we're still not getting it, then then I look, then it's probably not me, because I'm giving you what's on the record. That that's an amazing world. I don't have experience in in the pop world where there it's most. I mean, if, I've done gigs where there's non drum, there's electronics involved, and they're layered with acoustic drums. Uh, so yeah. I've a little bit of that, and we kind of figure out how to introduce that in a tasteful way, uh, but not to the level of a pop thing. I, f- I find that fascinating, especially now, uh, the way that that works and the way the artist wants to feel it, the, the way the audience wants to perceive it. Um, it, it's, and it's interesting, your story about like a manager wanting to hear something, and I'm not sure if he's a musician or not, but more. So the point is, it reminded me of a story that I heard Louis Belson tell about a session he was doing. And the executive producer, the money man in the room, gets on the talk back and says, hey, fellas, can we take this an octave faster? So... <laughs> You know, he's like, you got it. You got it, chief. You know, no one's going to say what they're just going to be like, sure. And I don't know, maybe they <laughs> they bumped it eight clicks, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but it's, you know, just figuring out how to, to deal with that. That's that's amazing. Yeah. And, and you know, it's like I've I've said this before, too. Like there have been situations where somebody goes like, you're in the studio and they, they're trying to get an emotion out and they go, it's too blue or it's, I, I want it to feel more yellow or, you know, it's like, it's really easy for some, for us as drummers to just dismiss the shit out of that. But it's really, I think the guys that are and gals that are really good at this are the ones that go, I hear you. Let me try yep. this. Yep. Boom. Yep. That's it conversation's over let's try because nobody's afraid of people trying things it's when you go what the fuck you know like that's not okay that and i think it's good to remind ourselves that um we're there to serve a purpose um much like a chair is there to serve a purpose much like the leg of that chair is there to serve a purpose yeah and and but also uh i like that there are certain hills that you will stand your ground I will fight 100%. On this, for this thing because I, I personally feel like it makes the song better and it makes me sound better too. So I'm going to fight yeah. for this. But you know what? And yeah, I, I've been doing some producing lately and I, I, I have that conversation with the artist. I'm like, look, there's some things that you're going to want. And I'm going to be like, yeah, that's cool. I, I dig that. I, I, I wouldn't go there personally, but I hear where you're going and, and let's do that. I said, but you know, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a couple of times that I'm going to fight. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say, listen, I'm gonna I'm this is my hill to fight on. Uh, I'm saying this wrong, but uh, you know I'm gonna stand my ground on this idea because I feel like it's really important. Um, but I'm but I'm gonna cherry pick those very carefully um, as to not um, you know uh, sabotage your vision of your music because it is your music at the end of the day. Absolutely, man. That's and I think. Again, this comes with oh, 10 years of working with somebody where you can get away with – it's like talking to a friend. you know. Like If you just made a new friend, you're going to be like, hey, I think that person you're dating is not good for you. But if 
you've been with this if you've been if you've been a friend with this person and suddenly there's a new person or this job seems like it's taking a lot out of you or like you know this financial decision like you can you can start to say these things because there's like you said earlier there's trust there's communication there's uh uh success you know we've had a lot of success he knows that we can be at 7 30 in the morning playing whatever today show thing that exists and that i'm not going to mess up there's trust there's a trust that comes with that he won't remember that i didn't mess up but he'll remember if i did mess up and so there's you know we've all well you know you have to take those successes as well are you at a place where like you're able to make i mean i know you guys are both making this transition and trying to figure out what's next and and there's some things that are up in the air but i imagine that you've stayed and i want to get into the loops that you're working on uh that you've yeah but um are there ways that you stayed busy aside from and because i know most people who have artist gigs don't just rest on that very fact they've got other plates spinning even my friend matt billingsley who plays with taylor swift he's like got other irons in the fire you know he's thinking of beyond that and I think for a lot of people, that's hard to wrap their head around. They're thinking, dude, you've got this gig. Why else are you thinking about other things? And I'm wondering if for you over the years working with Andy, having the steady gig, but okay, I've got to make sure that I am investing in myself and my own career. And if so, how are you doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's smart. Like, if something is of an interest to you, I think it's really important that you go be interested in that. Mm -hmm. Because if something is just an interest, it will forever just be an interest. So it's cool to get into shit or stuff or, sorry, I'm cursing a lot. But, like, there's, like, thank you. Thank you. Um, So, like, for me, I'm really into this recording stuff. Like, I really do love it. So I spent whatever extra time and resources I had into this thing. And it just so happens to work for me as well, right? Um, But I also, like, have recorded stream sections in here. I've recorded horns. I've recorded vocalists. You know, like, I'm treating it more as the space of recording other people as well. Um, But then it has led to things like making money from loop stuff Mm -hmm. or you know, tracking on other people. And this is all still music related. But as far as like non-music stuff, yeah, I have my, like there's a, a drum thing I'm tr- I'm trying to get somebody to make for me, which I'm not going to sh- spill the beans here, spill the beans here. Uh, I'll tell you after. Okay. Um, but, you know, it, it fixes a problem that we all experience in live and studio situations. Okay. It just, it fixes it. It's just super annoying when it's there. And this, the simplest, dumbest thing fixes it. And it's one of those things that came about like, how how did I not think about that? <laughs> you know. And then you see somebody do it and then you do a little research and nobody else is making this. Yeah. Because it doesn't see. So it's just one of those things that, yeah, like I love making little drum things. And uh, I love, there's so many things that interest me. And I go into them and I go, okay, this is either pleasure or business and sometimes it's both and often and most often than not it's not going to make you a ton of money so then it's up to you to decide what you want to do but for me yeah 
I love to do other things, you know? And I'm always thinking, like, can I afford to, like, you know, refi my house so I could buy another house somewhere and rent it out? Like, that's the thing that I think about all the time, you know? Like, but I'm also in a very fortunate position where I made those bigger choices seven, eight years ago where I can start to think about things now. And, you know, when I was on the road, I was learning how to edit drums, comp drums, you know, because I I didn't know how to do that stuff. So I would record a bunch of drums. This is over the last, like, right before the pandemic. Um, Record a bunch of stuff, just making up or playing along the songs, doing a bunch of takes, and I would just sit on the bus or at a coffee shop on tour and learn how to comp drums. That's it. Wow. So now I can fly through a Pro Tools session and export and do everything uh, in a very quick manner, which only makes my actual job of what I do a lot faster and easier. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I think that gives you a lot of freedom uh, than being reliant on an artist or, or, or other things. I mean, just and it, it yeah. gives you an opportunity to express yourself as, as, as an artist yourself, too. Y- yeah, man. Yeah, how about you? What do you like to do outside of this junk? <laughs> Podcast. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I I feel like this is, you know, I get to talk about something that I love and and, and meet lots of people. Uh, and But yeah, there, there's there's other things that, uh, that I like to do. I, I tend to gravitate towards things that don't make any money. I don't know what it is about my personal. Life. You know, I really like to get into this. Oh wait, they don't get paid very much. Oh, how about this? No, no, they don't get paid very. What is it about that? I, I, I think that's a, uh, I don't know, something in my brain that was taken out at a, maybe that one fall when I was a kid has has blocked me from. Oh my gosh! But anyways, yeah. Well, it's like you know, we all wish we had that uh, Back to the Future uh, Bettings <laughs> almanac, I know. you know? Like, we all wish that. We all wish for that. But the truth is, is like, chances are we're all going to work really hard for a long period of our lives or most of our lives and uh, f- trying to find gratitude and contentment within that is usually enough. Yeah, I, yeah, it is. Um, tell that to T-Mobile. For me, I owe them money. <laughs> it's funny because right before we got on this, I got a notification from Kaiser that my payment was past due, and I never got a, a first first bill in the first place. You know, so it's like, what the heck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're telling me I'm past due, and I never got the thing. Well, so, yeah, I mean, that stuff isn't going to pay no, itself. No, you got to figure that stuff out. No, <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, and and it's been an interesting, interesting journey uh, and transition for me this this last couple of years. But um, on our Patreon page, uh, Zach and I are doing we do, we've done one so far in January, and we're getting ready to schedule another one where he and I just get on a Zoom call and we just talk shit and we talk about where we're <laughs> aspirations and. And whatever, and and former interviews, and kind of whatever. We're at the early stages of it, but I'm excited about where this will go, and maybe it's an opportunity to us to, uh, for us to get maybe a little bit more personal uh, in in that. So um, you know, we I I try not to talk too much about my own journey when I'm in an interview situation because um, I want to hear from you. Um, but um, anyways, I, I, on the on the loops, you have. Um, you've got some great video of how you've gone about it. Um, and I'm sure that, 
you could get into the weeds and these videos could be ongoing, but you give us a nice general overview how you go about producing these loops. What was the motivation to start doing this in the first place? Well, during the pandemic, uh, uh, the f lovely folks over at uh, Splice mm -hmm. had had purchased a company or I, I, I'm over speaking here. I don't know. But the guys that I think had that sounds were somehow acquired by uh, Splice. I don't know exactly what happened, but the two guy or, or the guy that was running that sounds reached out to me and a friend of mine during the pandemic saying, hey, Splice wants to help, you know, creators and uh, here's what we can do if you guys do this for us. Right. And so under the umbrella of that sounds for me as a drummer, I was like, holy shit, that's like Paul's the best, like. Paul nailed it with this stuff, you know, Paul Mayberry. So, uh, I learned how, uh, I didn't, I didn't learn how to do it, but using a lot of their process to, to get a product done was really influential to how I did my stuff because, um, that's, that was kind of the, the beginning of like, wait a minute, if I'm doing it for this other company, my contract with them is done. I've done all the work with them. Why can't I do this, apply the skill set over here and do it for myself? Okay. And so, so that was kind of the, the impetus. And then I was kind of around my birthday and I thought it'd be funny to release something to do with my birthday, you know, and instead of like, I don't know, it just felt like the right time to do it. And I had this knowledge and I'd have all this drums and gear here might as well do something with it so, and, so uh, you learned yeah that's sorry to cut you off but but you you learned from this company called that sounds yeah okay and they had, have you heard of them i have not heard of them yeah uh they're great uh I, i'm pretty sure they were either bought or they're in a partnership with splice um but they they're like a drum sample library and they're incredible and it's i think most of it was Paul Mayberry, and then they brought in like a lot of Nashville guys uh, to do one shots and some loops. Uh, and then uh, once they were acquired by Splice, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I could be wrong. I got you. They then that was around the pandemic, and then the guy that was running it uh, started reaching out to you know some of us on Instagram or social media. Oh, okay. Um, so there was a lot of a lot of great stuff that happened. Uh, yeah, so I learned, you know, the methodology, how they were doing things. I learned from them, and you know, that's just a skill set, and it was it's a really interesting skill set. So I was like, I, I can do this, and I did, and I think I'm really proud of what I did uh, because it's, you know, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of like, just kind of self uh, motivation to do that stuff. You know what I mean, like. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit here and make sure that I hit this drum 16 different ways. Mm. <laughs> you know, like that, that can get pretty taxing or when you're hitting a crash cymbal and you hit one, you hit it at like velocity 95. Right. And you go, all right, what does 90 sound like? Ooh. Oh shit. <laughs> you know, what does 51 sound like? And you just go and then you pick the best of the best and you make it into this drum loop thing. So yeah, I, I credit them to, kind of really not teaching me, but like showing me a method to do it. And then I just applied that method. I see. You know? See. 
Yeah. I'm wondering when when you're creating loops, when you're creating grooves, and I know that you're you're recording a bunch of different ones, you know, just kind of letting the creativity flow at a certain tempo. Say it's 80 BPM, and you're just gonna go through and you're just gonna think of things to play. And then you go back and you then you cherry pick from there. Uh is that correct so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then from there, but when you're creating are you thinking about the people who are interested in drum loops and maybe what they're going to want to hear as opposed to maybe what? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about my, my biggest goal is like, how is this supposed to feel? Mm -hmm. That's my first thing. How do I want this to feel? Sonically, the sound is what the sound is, right? So if we're going for the low gushy thing or the Tom, it's a Tom groove, whatever. Yeah. Um, but for me, it, it's like, how does this feel in context uh, of the groove itself? So are those four bars awesome? No, do it again. Great. So we establish that. The the four bars are great. Everything's going great. Uh, there's nothing rattling. You know, like you, there's all these other things, the minutia, like you're saying, right? Yeah. But so you you do these four bars and you go, okay, what's this groove minus 5%? Okay, let's do that. And then you ask yourself that same round of questions. Was that cool? Was that great? Whatever. These Pro Tools sessions, if I showed you, are hilarious because they're just like infinite timeline. (laughs) Uh, You know? Um, And, you know, there's a little variance. Then you go like, okay, what's this plus 25%? Like in volume, in dynamics, like, you know, all the things you you, everybody says you're supposed to practice or you want to practice, which are like – what what happens when the groove is super heavy with the kick drum, but the snare is barely heard and the hi hat's really loud? You know, so you you start doing all that stuff, and then you start applying that to this to the loops, and and then at some point you go like, okay, I'm just gonna do four on the floor and like eight variations of four on the floor. Cool. And then you move on to boom smack, boom boom smack, mm-hmm. and and then really I find that loops usually come in for people or productions not when they're trying to finish something but when they're trying to inspire something yeah so often often it's the simplest groove ends up winning you know and that's usually the case for a song right rarely is it the halftime shuffle i mean how many halftime shuffles have been hits (laughs) we can point to them but it's such Huge hits and iconic signatures yeah. of the song that if you do it, people are like, wait, you're just copying this. And you're like, yeah, but I'm copying this song, too, when I go boom, cat, boom, boom, cat. I'm boom, boom, cat. Yep. <laughs> notice that? Did you notice the thousands of hits that are that groove, too? No, nobody did. But I also imagine yeah. the simpl- because one of the questions I had is, I, I mean, I'm wondering, like, about people that are interested in, in using loops and, like, as a, as someone that, but that you make such a great point about a singer songwriter producer that is using your loop as a starting place, as a source of inspiration. But I imagine that if they start with something simple, then they have a foundation from which to build upon, as opposed to something that's complex that may have too much personality in it that doesn't allow the song to grow organically. 
Yeah, and then if it ends up staying on the record, it's great because then it's, you know, you on that record or, you know, there's no real way for me to track how that works, but I know there are ways. I chose not to do that. I was just kind of like, okay, this is what it is. Yeah. Or, you know, there's a guy I work with a bunch. Uh, he actually lives in Nashville where uh, he, he'll he text me every single time. He goes, dude, I'm using uh, – I sent him like a bunch of like my uh, my bootlegs of like snare – the stuff I didn't really 100% like but I knew were weird and that's, and he likes. He likes the really weird sounding stuff. So he's like, yeah, man, the snare drum, I think it's called snare drum boof or something like that. He's like, I used it again. He's like, I love that thing. It's on everything, you know, and it's like, great, you know. So like that's on top of whoever played drums or whatever other samples they were using. So a lot of times it's just you just got to be self-motivated enough to just do something. And then if it sucks, okay, but you still did it and you learned something from it, you know, like you don't learn how to get up unless you fall. And I know that sounds cliche and stupid, but you really don't. (laughs) I think for a lot of us, the hang up is, uh, the time that you're sitting in front of the computer and, and just, and, and, and exercising the mouse and, and kind of going through and exploring, Mm. exploring plugins and, and different ways to, uh, make this sound different. You know, it's we're we're just as drummers, we, I think we, we come to this instrument because we're just we're busy bodies. So like we have to be doing something. Yeah, I, I went to a drummer hang uh, a couple weeks ago at a cigar bar here in town, and uh, a buddy of mine is. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a buddy of mine has a has a great podcast called Nashville Drummers Podcast. Awesome. And um, one of their recent guests on there was talking about you know producing something for social media and you do the video and you get the lighting and then you figure out what you're going to play or maybe it's that set but then you do the editing and figure out how that's and then posting and it's it's like by the end of the day you've played maybe you've played your drums like five percent of the process Hmm. by the time it's all out and he described it as death by a thousand cuts and it you know (laughs) And, and 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 he has to. I mean, he's he's he continues to post things. This particular drummer and 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 has great reactions. But you have to ask yourself, what am what am I doing? You know, is this is this paying off? Is all this work not playing the drums paying off and and opening up opportunities for me to then actually play the drums? Uh, I say yes. Okay, I say yes because. At some point, you're gonna have to record yourself for somebody's song. The scope and the uh, the 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 level of of production value can be infinite, right? Mm-hmm. So, if the songwriter or the person that lives across the street from you took guitar lessons and wrote their first song and knows that you're a drummer, and they're gonna show up and they go like, "Hey, I have this song. I know, it, like, I don't, I, don't, I, you know, I just learned how to play guitar and." is there any way you could put any sort of like rhythm or drums to it? They're probably gonna be like, can you just like do something? And, and yeah. And then what you're going to do is be like, Hey, here's the song. I, I recorded the drums. Uh, and it's really simple, but it's very manicured or it's very processed in a way that makes that person like fulfill their dream of getting that song done. And so all the hours spent, editing and copying and twisting virtual knobs all that stuff pays off just to make that one person feel good 
Right, and 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 it creates a, a certain amount of efficiency in the way you work, and that's a value. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like I, I, you know, I, I, my keyboard is set up in a way where if I hit like three things, it does ten things for me, and that's all came from uh, spending hours like zooming in trying to find the first transient. Now I just do a hand a few things, and it zooms in for me, and it makes a cut done yep like yep. you know and it it it's just again it's more tools it's just more tools it's that whole thing of what is a snare drum sound tuned up 10 percent. well you you even mentioned early on in our conversation you know just take some time to spend tuning this snare drum seven different ways that could be a good use of your time uh, you- yeah and that weirdly enough makes good content Mm, yeah right and, and like if you want to film it yeah if you want to film it that makes great content like some some kid probably has that same drum it's like you know it doesn't have to be jeff over at sugar's most expensive cherry snare drum <laughs> it can be an acrylite you know what i mean and mo- a lot of people probably have some form of an acrylite yep. and you go this is an acrylite tuned really high medium low and everything in between and now you have content for a week if that's what you want to do yeah right all this is under the premise of if this is what you want to do i have a problem with people getting upset at people that do that like let that person do the content they want to do that's their life that's their career it's how they're choosing to do it i'm not going to talk shit about that you know um but you know if you don't want to do that don't do it just don't hate (laughs) it's that simple well, and you know, for, for all the things that maybe I'm not interested in doing, Zach's not interested in doing, we, we, we make sure that we're careful about not disparaging those that are feeling driven to create music or hone their craft in ways that maybe we're not doing. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. If you're not interested, like, we, we don't, it's just a waste of time just to, you know, throw that negativity out there. Just such a waste of time. Yeah, and it's also just like um, you don't have to connect with everything, and that's okay too. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you: if if, if I'm a singer songwriter and I'm interested in in your loops, where do I find this stuff? How do people access it? Uh, go to my website. Just go to my website, emandrums.com or drumawayeman. I I don't know. I I rarely tell people where to do this, or just hit me up, and I'll. You know, if you don't want to sift through a bunch of stuff, I'll play on your song. Like, I just it. Uh, if you want the loops, they're on my website. That's the easiest way. And or you could find me through Instagram. Sure. Well, I'm just wondering, like, for, for for those that want to get into building loops and and what the business model is for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I built everything on, I have a Squarespace site and I built, uh, it, it all gets payment processing gets done through Stripe, you know, like I found the, the road of least resistance when it came to all that stuff. And they give you a nice end of the year. You made this much. This is what you owe in taxes kind of thing. You know, like if you want to get into those kinds of weeds, that's, that's how I built it. It's super simple. Um, but I'm also only selling one thing you know, and, uh, it, it makes it pretty, pretty easy for me on that point. Um, and you know, for me, what I made on that is exactly what I would have charged for the amount of time I would have spent recording for somebody else. 
Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. It's so it, people, it weird. I, it's so weird. I didn't plan on that. It just happened. Yeah. So you're putting this this loop library together. You're putting it on your website, and it's it's a one to one interaction with the buyer and the creator. Is that a, totally is that a assessment? Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's it, man. I love that, man. I, I I'm feeling inspired uh, by that. Oh, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah. I have worked with Splice, like uh, me and a close friend of mine, Eric Downs, who's a great drummer and a great MD here in LA. Uh, we we did a bunch of loop packs for Splice, and so those are available on that. But that's kind of more of the Spotify model, where you know everybody pays into this big bucket and then it gets dispersed in a in a weird way. Uh, Splice was great, and they paid me, you know, a, a fee up front to do all that stuff which was great, especially during the pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But now, now it's like, you know, I want to say I made $7 last quarter. So it's, you know, I just don't think of this thing, these things in money terms. It's more of like, I'm sure some producer somewhere is going to use this and it's going to end up on something that I may or may not hear, but it's being used. And it just feels cool that I did it from my studio that is, is 10 steps away from my house like to me that is so cool well man tell me about like what where do you see yourself going with this i mean you're 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 entertaining the idea of 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 moving on from from andy's gig and um you've got many things going you've you continue to learn and grow your skill set is there aspirations that you have in mind do you have a plan are you just are you are you making it up as you go along where where do you see yourself in the next man i think you know it's thank you i i i think about this a lot and there's some awesomeness to just being like i don't know i throw my hands up and i go whatever you believe in that's bigger than anybody or whatever you don't believe in that is you know what i don't care whatever you believe in help me out here Right. There's a bit of that. Then there's the the pragmatic guy who's like, okay, you have this much to play with, (laughs) you know, and to live with. And then there's um, and then there's the oh, my God, what the fuck have I done? Right. (laughs) And I think one of my favorite things I, I meditate a lot. And one of my favorite things is that there's a duality to life and that things can both simultaneously be incredible and shitty. And, and it's okay. And to, and to somehow live through all that and to be inside of that brings this overwhelming sense of it's going to be all right. So I, I can't sit here and tell you, I have this exact goal. I don't, I don't have that. I just don't. Um, but I can sit here and tell you that every time I've been in this place or this similar situation, the right thing pops up. Yeah. I'm not saying the best thing. I'm not saying the thing that pays me the most. I'm saying the right thing pops up. That's I all I can that. say. I need to hear that right now, man. And uh, that's, that's really great. That's really great. And I believe that. And sometimes it just takes patience. Uh, it, uh, you know, just putting out uh, good energy in the universe and knowing exactly. that you've worked really hard. You've had created good bonds you've created a, a strong reputation amongst your peers 
So when maybe, maybe there's times that are tough, maybe there's times that are slow, just be reassured that the, the work that you've put in, the groundwork that you've laid will pay off. And it sounds like it's yeah. stupid. And if it doesn't, I can sell everything in this room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like also not being attached to a damn thing in here. God forbid it burns or anything like that. But like, you know, like that's the other, the other thing of like this duality that I, I like to th- talk about where it's like, yes, I've acquired a lot of these things, but they can all go away tragically or by choice. And mm-hmm. I, I am somehow weirdly at peace with both of those. So like, um, it's a great place. Uh, to so be it's at. like, um, I've had, I've had it all and I've, and I'm not prepared to lose it all, but I, I don't want to lose it all, but I think it's okay to, to be aware that sometimes these things do happen, you know, and, uh, yeah. the, the way life tends to work is usually, uh, you know, water flows the way water needs to flow. Hmm. Yeah. Well put. I want to have links in the show notes to your website. Uh, and I'm, and there's from there, there's your YouTube channel. You've got a ton of content on your Instagram page that is wonderful to kind of sift through. But uh, as we spoke early on in this conversation, the way you present yourself on your YouTube channel as you're learning, and, 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 and this ties in with what we were just talking about in creating content, you brought up a wonderful point. Like, say you're just sitting down to explore the range of a snare drum. Hey, film that. Make that content. Like, it doesn't have to be completely planned out. It could be something simple that could be a, a bit of a chore. But hey, guess what? That may be something that someone needs to see or is interested in. And um, you've, you've done that in a variety of ways, um, coming, up, uh, coming at it from like a curious heart. And that makes me want to watch. That makes me want to learn. Like, oh, here's the expert in the room. It's like, no, hey, guess what? We're going to explore this. I don't know where I'm going with this. You've done that really well. And so I encourage anybody that is growing their knowledge with recording wanting to expand uh, tricks of the trade, um, kind of going along with you on this journey uh, to see what you're doing. It's really great. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, um, I'm just, again, I'm just really fortunate at the end of the day. Like, I'm, I'm really thankful. Yeah, I've, you know, sat on a plane for 18 hours to go play a show and then flown back. That sucks. There's nothing fun about that. But, like, in coach... <laughs> there's nothing fun about that but you know right. all that stuff leads to to situations where you're just like I've had it worse you know <laughs> like and and I'm just for, honestly I'm so fortunate especially nowadays that I'm in this room and all this is happening and um yeah. you like I reached out to you guys under different circumstances and then you know like the life is so interesting <laughs> in how it presents itself. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And, and that's that's the other thing. You, you've alluded to this uh, video, this series that you put out uh, a couple years ago about touring, life of touring, and maybe not even a couple years ago, maybe just a year ago. But that's really fascinating. Um, hey, camera's back on. Hey, camera's back. Uh, I hope it doesn't die. Oh, you can see my probably- lighting. I've got 
got a window here, so the sun is going. Oh my sure. gosh! What's oh so yeah? It's five o'clock in Nashville, right? It's five o'clock Just somewhere. About. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's that's an homage to my no. Uh, anyways, um, but man, it's been really great to to meet you. I'm I'm I hope we keep in touch. Um, I'm excited about what's next for you. I hope uh, listeners uh, catch on to what's going on with you and 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 continue to follow your journey because I, I have a feeling this next year is going to be one to follow. I'm excited. I have no idea what this next year is doing, but I'm really excited uh, that we made this work. And uh, you know, if if I sound like I'm rambling, I am because that's how my brain works. It's why I tune a drum <laughs> seven different ways. Like it's because I yeah. can't stop messing with stuff i just can't and so now you give me a bunch of outboard gear and i'm gonna sit there for hours you know so it's yeah. just like it's the it's the best it's the best of both worlds for me <laughs> yeah yeah well man i i it thank you so much for this i really appreciate it uh, thank you for your time and um i'll be in touch uh, about about some things I, I i could use from you for for this this uh, release uh, just a couple minor things, but otherwise, yeah, glad we connected. And um, again, look forward to what's going on with you this year and, and keep in touch with us. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I hope to be in Nashville soon and I'll see you there. Dude, hit me up if I'm around. Will do. Will do. I got your number now. You're screwed. We're going to coffee. <laughs> That'd be great, man. Be great. All right, man. Hey, man. Good to see you. Good to chat with you. And I'll be in touch. Awesome. See you, man. See ya. So there you have it, my conversation with E-Man. I encourage you to go check out his website, his YouTube page, and Instagram. A lot of great content there. Uh, the guy is a beast uh, playing pop music for sure, and uh, it's very inspiring to watch, and I really enjoyed hanging with him and having him on the podcast. Stay tuned next week where Zach Albetta will be interviewing Dave Elich. This will be the third time that Dave has been on the podcast. Very honored to have him back on the podcast. He's got a new course coming out. I'm excited to check that out, and I hope you do too. But for now, thanks so much for listening, and hope to see you around. Bye-bye.